three. Welcome to Depollution, the new podcast from SalvageWire. In this podcast, we will be interviewing interesting and inspiring leaders to discuss issues that are facing the vehicle salvage and the vehicle recycling industries, along with other leaders who can challenge and inspire the whole industry. In this podcast, we welcome Alan College of Corley's. Alan is a senior manager of Corley's and is their, also their dangerous goods safety advisor. Very, very interesting conversation where we're talking about high voltage batteries, we're talking about hazardous waste and many other things. So continue listening to my conversation with Alan. Firstly, Alan, thank you very, very much for agreeing to be part of, of this podcast. Just to introduce yourself, can you tell us a little bit about your career, who you who you've worked for, your roles and your current role and business location and size? Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> um, right, okay, so as far as um, career is, is concerned, if I look back real early on, you know, at school, I actually, um, I wanted to be a, an environmental health officer. Uh, not exactly a popular thing. I think we all wanted to be bus drivers or astronauts. Um, but um, but now that, that took a, a fancy, I suppose, at that time. So, um, but, uh, but in reality, after, you know, GCSEs and A-levels and, and the like, I actually then thought about becoming a police officer and following my uncle and uh, you know being on the bikes and and uh, even sort of firearms was uh, quite uh, 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 attractive but uh, I didn't think that I had enough life experience um, so uh, actually I just wanted to have a normal job um, so um, uh, I, I then applied for some normal admin jobs and uh, the first one that comes along was for a company called Hales Waste Control um, so essentially Hales Waste Control um, um, was was where I'm introduced to it to waste and uh, I started um, as, a, as a traffic clerk on the desk and moving the, uh, uh, um, the, the trucks about, um, moved up from there from sales and then senior sales and uh, did quite well in that um, and, uh, and then became a depot manager and got my CPC in road haulage. Um, Back in 2003, I think it was, Hales was sold to Biffa um, and 62 depots or so that was, that was transferred over there. Um, and while I was a manager, I was always working and tipping at, uh, at Corley's facilities or FMR Corley's. And I always got on well with uh, one of their operational directors. Um, and uh, as, as it is, they, they, you know, he, he said, look, you know, with the, with the change from one company to another could be, you know, can be seen as being difficult for some. Um, just give us a call if, uh, if you have any difficulties. And, um, and I did one day, wasn't particularly serious, but um, there was uh, an opportunity essentially for uh, joining their hazardous waste team as a uh, business development manager on, on uh, back then. Um, and, uh, and essentially I accepted. <laughs> um, and, and here I have been since, you know, for the last 16 years. So um, I got trained um, uh, in the ways of hazardous waste as such, um, got an ADR license, which led to uh, DGSA, uh, WAMI tab and IOSH and loads of an acronyms as such. Um, and, uh, and I took over the hazardous department for Corley's um, as a senior manager in 2014. And six years later, this is you know where I am now. Um, so 16 years um, with Corleys, um, and I suppose you know from a specialism point of view, I, I, I would pride myself as being a bit of a problem solver. Um, I mean, a hazardous waste isn't easy, um, and uh, we're a, we're a, I'm a relationship builder as well, and the team sort of builds relationships. We're very focused on customer services and the like. Um, and, you know, obviously more recently, um, all of the activity with lithium batteries and waste from EV. So 
the hazardous waste side of the business, that has changed dramatically over the last, what, 10, 15 years? Um, can you outline some of those changes, outline some of the some of the differences from when you first started? Okay, so um, I suppose um, hazardous waste kind of sort of changed um, uh, a, a bit in in 2005 um, because that's when we actually jo uh, changed to the hazardous waste uh, reg legislation, the regulations. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, um, it was the 1996 special waste regulations. Um, and that uh, allowed, you know, um, a lot of things that we, you know, that we, we we probably would be horrified with now. So, you know, back then in special waste regulation land, you know, uh, uh, asbestos uh, roofing sheets, for instance, could be considered as general waste. And we used to put them in skips and all sorts. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that was that, was, uh, that um, you know, oil contaminated rags and all this kind of things. We had something called a de minimis ruling then. So. You know, it's so long as your uh, garage workshop bin, uh, it didn't have more than 10% of oil contaminated rags, that could go in the general waste as well. Um, but in 2005, special waste uh, left and hazardous waste regulations came in um, and essentially we abided then by a greater piece of legislation and we learned all about EWC codes um, and, uh, you know, uh, premise notification codes for waste producers and, you know, it, it, it really did tighten up. So, so, so you, you know, we, we couldn't then uh, put the roofing sheets in the, uh, in the general waste because they were a hazardous waste and science came to the rescue and was able to sort of dictate and tell us what, you know, what, what was, you know, what was there. And I suppose, you know, that, those um, um, early 2000s and late 90s were, were quite busy. Uh, very busy times for um, for ha uh, for waste in general, um, because we had so many different changes. So hazardous waste, you know, uh, uh, changed in 2005, um, and then we start seeing things like the landfill directives, um, you know, banning things going into landfill, landfill tax accelerating so quickly, you know, to, so making it forcing us to, you know, to uh, to keep waste out of a landfill. Um, uh, we regulations, you know, yes. banning, you know, we going in the general waste in 2007 um and uh, battery reg re regulations so that you know we've got uh, uh, um onus on battery producers you know that uh, uh, needed to make sure that you know batteries were, were recycled as opposed to just you know lost in in the waste as such yeah. um yeah so there was a very very busy time actually uh, in the last 15 years of legislation and it, it obviously you know i would say actually the last maybe maybe five years or so it's been quite quiet in in, 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 uh, in comparison because, you know we've, we've, we've just had all those changes we're following on with it and you know we're, we're, we've been working to it so um so yeah very busy yeah. time amazing amazing so so Corley's themselves um how, how long has it been in business and you know what sort of work does it do uh, you know other than hazardous waste what, what other work does it do well, uh, Corley's is um, a 73-year-old uh, third-generation family-owned waste management company. So that's that's quite a rare thing to see these days because, you know, quite a lot of the uh, the waste companies are swallowed up with uh, larger uh, um, entities that are owned by water companies or, you know, infrastructure as such. So, um, so yeah, so surviving this length of time is, uh, is, 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 you know, is, is quite an achievement by itself. But anyway, back in 1947, it was started with uh, Frank and Reg, hence the, the, the company name is F&R Corley. 
um, and they saw original success in in waste collections back then. They actually uh, um, were um, pivotal in the in the clearances of waste and tip of uh, muckaways for the uh, the M1 section near Luton when it was being built. So there was some good success for there. Um, our current chairman, John Corley, is Frank's son, um, and he took over as MD um, back in 1974. Um, which is when I was born, <laughs> um, and only gave way to a you know an, a, another um, MD as such you know uh, only a few years uh, ago you know some forty years later. Um, so uh, the current company, I mean, it's changed dramatically in the last sort of sixteen years that I've been in here. Um, uh, but uh, the format of it is is that we've got three depots, we've got two hundred and thirty employees. Uh, turnover of around 36 million um, and about four and a half thousand customers to serve yeah. um, and we've got some high profile clients so you know Clary Wharf, uh, uh, Tui Air, um, Sadies you know these are all you know fairly well familiar names that are demanding and uh, you know we, we, we serve them right so um, in regards to um, capabilities um, you know obviously I head up the, the hazardous waste department um, so I manage a fleet of, uh, uh, of tankers, uh, vacuum waste tankers, um, arctics, curtain sides, um, uh, box vans, tail lifts. Um, you know, so we, we, we're covering all of the, the sort of bulk waste and drums and packages um, being collected. Yeah, so so that that you know that puts Corley's at a uh, um, I, I think is quite an advantage because there's not too many waste companies that are able to offer. The recycling, the general waste, and then obviously cover the the more difficult, um, you know, hazardous waste uh, um, collections as well. So, you know, for those customers that like to have that one-stop shop and one supplier experience, as opposed to dealing with multiples, you know, that gives us some good strength over some of our competitors. Um, and as far as capability again is concerned, um, you know, more recently we've been, you know, uh, one of the first, if not the first, um, sort of waste managers to tackle. The new waste from EV uh, cars, you know, and, and uh, obviously the, the the decommissioning and the recycling of EV um, and and plug-in electric hybrid uh, wastes. Mm-hmm. So, moving on to that, how, how does that process work? Because you're dealing there with some very high voltage and some very dangerous um, kit. Uh, you know, batteries, as I know, batteries from those vehicles are, are high 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 enough voltage to kill. So. How, What's the process? How do you work with those with those clients, those customers, to collect, s- transport, store, dispose of those batteries? What's what process do you follow? Um, well, I mean, to be fair, the 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 service starts um, with our capabilities. So um, we're we are an approved battery exporter, um, and uh, we you know we. we Essentially, that is a requirement to to move uh, waste batteries um, um, over to European treatment plants. Um, we are and have a, a decommissioning room, um, so that's where we break the uh, the batteries apart. Um, we're highly specialised um, uh, in in regards to our collection techniques. So we have a a, a box or a collection box that um, uh, we use, which is. Um, uh, essentially satisfies the latest in ADR requirements yeah. uh, to move critical um, um, batteries um, and all of the functions and um, you know our, our abilities are covered uh, uh, by very specialist risk assessment and safe systems of work so there's there's the sort of foundations we've got to get it all right so that's yeah. where it starts um, but it's, but, it, but the main headline essentially is is that we, we, we wanted to provide a service to be able to collect 
uh, a battery um, at potentially its highest danger level, uh, transport it domestically um, and uh, de decommission it down to a modular level um, where it then can be onwardly sent over uh, for either end of life recycling mm -hmm. or second life reuse. Mm -hmm. So in, in essence, we prefer to handle and ship 20, 30 volt modules as opposed to one 600 volt battery. So, so the ultimate aim is to get it down to modular level and, and, then, yes, and, then, yep. and then ship ship those on a on a pallet or something of that nature well yeah no well i mean obviously um uh, lithium batteries are a dangerous good um yeah. so there is a approved packaging that is required mm -hmm. um and um in regards to moving um you know critical batteries as such they require the highest level of packaging yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you've got modules which are you know safe um then they they don't need quite so high uh, uh, um, a level of, of, of protection so you know normal packages couldn't be applied and this this actually can be essentially a, 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 an approved cardboard box, box yeah. um, so, you know, as opposed to a big steel metal one yeah now you, you mentioned there about uh, an approved exporter um, so mm, yeah so so from that can I infer that there's that there's no place in the UK where you can get these batteries recycled is that correct uh, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the treatment of the, the batteries is concerned, um, they, they, they need uh, uh, um, metallurgical treatment. Right. Um, so if, if we're dealing with end of life recycling, this is where you're then going to recycle the batteries to in order to get the, um, the, the metals out of it, the yeah. lithium, the cobalt, yeah. the manganese, um, then a metallurgical treatment process is required. Um, and yeah, we don't have anything like that in 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 this country mm -hmm. uh, currently. Right, right. And should there be should there be anything? Should should we have a site like that? Should we you know should we be lobbying government uh, or local authorities or the industry to actually get get that sort of site? Uh, that's quite that's quite an interesting interesting question, but it's a bit multifaceted to answer. Um, uh, in, in, in principle, having having a metallurgical plant in the UK would be a good answer. It means that we could treat domestically. It means that we could obviously reduce down on tran uh, transport. But who is going to um, invest in the millions for such a plant uh, right now where volumes of the batteries are actually not really understood? Um, you know, we're we're at the beginnings of uh, of EV um, cars. Um, end of life for those isn't really sort of happening just yet. So the volumes of lithium batteries, which you know we we organise ourselves, are through research and development and automotive testing. That's where we we're in main collecting from. Um, and um, you know, as, as as such, before you put a battery out onto the market, then you will you know, uh, destructive test it to make sure it's safe and it will perform adequately when it's on the road properly. Um, but um, but who's going to who's going to put that money up to um, uh, to, to make the plant um, mm. when, you know, we don't have the volumes from, you know, from the batteries coming through. There's not thousands and thousands of tons coming through right now. Um, and also, um, you know, when it comes to the technology that's employed, I mean, obviously, lithium ion right now is the is the is the is the key. But what about lithium air solid yeah. state lithium, yeah. sodium iron or any of the other sort of newer technologies i mean if you build a plant now for lithium iron would they be okay to uh, um, process the the other technologies yeah. if they were proven to be that the future of the uh, uh, to be used 
Um, so it, it, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult question there. I mean, the other the other side of things is that uh, um, we've also been um, recycling portable and lead acid batteries actually for a long time. You know, we touched on the battery uh, regulations earlier. Um, so portable batteries, um, alkaline, NICADs, um, nickel metal hydride, they all need a metallurgical treatment process. Um, and, um, you know, we've been doing that for years. Um, so if there was an appetite or if there was, you know, a, a, a quantity enough to um, require a metallurgical treatment plant in the UK, you'd probably think that there would be one already. Yeah. Um, that's not that. Um, that said, you know, when it comes to EV coming online, there's obviously going to be a lot more um, uh, tonnage coming onto the market. Um, but for me, I think the issue um with uh, um you know moving the batteries as we are and the reason why we're you know sort of second and questioning this you know why don't we have something like this it's because lithium batteries are such a uh, a dangerous proposition to move yeah. you know they, 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 there is uh, um um an onus on safety um and you know when you've got a, a movement of waste batteries you know that i go and send out um, the worry is there that, you know, during that that uh, uh, journey, whether it be on, you know, a lorry or a ship or a train, um, you know, that there's a fire risk there. Um, it's, um, um, that, 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 that would be something which would certainly, you know, benefit a, uh, a UK um, facility because then that way you'd be able to, you know, move those things domestically. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think the, um, um, the, the, the future's to be mapped out, and I think there's some more sort of technology to be brought in place um, to um, uh, um, to protect us. Now, you mentioned obviously lithium-ion from from an automotive perspective, but there's hundreds, millions of items out there with lithium-ion batteries in them, including phones, power tools, mm. tablets, all that sort of stuff. What about recycling of those sorts, those those types of batteries? To be honest with you, they're 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 fine. Um, you know, there, there is, as I say, an, a whole industry uh, for battery recycling. I mean, all of those smaller portable batteries um, are actually more known to us um, because we've been doing it for a longer period of time. Um, um, they they don't put up quite so much of a fight when it comes to energy um, and danger. Um, yet, of course, you know, even the smallest battery can go on fire. But um, you know, you're not going to be electrocuted by handling an iPhone battery. Um, um, but that, you know, that, that, that said, that there is what more of a well-trodden path. The other thing is, is that chemically speaking, those smaller batteries have got a, a higher quantity of the precious metals per volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, there, there is values to be had, um, higher values than the, what you would do with a, with an EV battery. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah. So so in, in you know, in answer to the question, there is. Uh, um, um, it, it's easier to to recycle and and deal with those smaller batteries. Mm. Yeah, and and yeah, just commenting about those rare earth metals. There's a lot of talk about the use of rare earth metals in batteries. You know, and obviously recycling these batteries is is an important part of keep helping that industry reduce its reliance on on rare earth metals and and you know mining rare earth metals from around the world. Um. So so what's called is you know. How do Corleys help the battery manufacturers reduce that reliance? What's uh, what's your your, um, your key? What's your part? What's your key role in that? 
well, the, 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 the key role there is, is that uh, we do have a, an end of life process um, where the, the batteries are sent to a European metallurgical treatment plant um, and the, uh, uh, the batteries are uh, subjected to a pyrometallurgical process um, to extract you know, um, the, the nickel and the cobalt um, uh, in, into, and copper into an alloy. Um, and uh, essentially um, those uh, um, uh, extracted metals are actually sent back to the likes of your Panasonics and LG and Sanyos um, to make more batteries. So there is, there is a circular economy built into there. Um, but um, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the spotlight for the uh, for the metals is 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 certainly um, a concern right now, and uh, uh, and it will continue to be because as the, as the the adoption of electric cars uh, uh, continue, um, that does mean that there's going to need to be more resource to and metals to to make those said batteries. Um, so um, if you yeah you, you, you've seen as as many graphs as what I have and it's all pointing in the wrong one direction, yeah. um, and uh, and the world's resources are are going to be under uh, under pressure. Yeah. Um, I mean some some of the metals are more abundant than others, um, but uh, it, when we're all driving electric cars, um, it will be a must to recycle and and recover the, the metals, um, just in the same way as we do with all of the rest of the other normal wastes uh, recycled, like cardboard, paper, plastics, yeah. and metals. Yeah. Um, and cobalt, in particular, has got to be under uh, a lot of scrutiny right now. Um, I mean, we've, 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 we, we know that the uh, world's reserves are in the Democratic Republic of Congo um, and there's lots of negative con you know, connotations in regard to mining there. Um, and, you know, I, I can't imagine too many responsible vehicle manufacturers want to be associated with, the, you know, some of the practices you have there. Um, but uh, mining on the ground, you know, from the stuff that's already there, especially when it takes off, it's, it's, it's definitely going to have to be... Uh, uh, necessary for the success of having the materials present. Absolutely, and some of those graphs that you spoke about, we've yeah we've 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 seen similar ones. But one of the ones that stuck out in my mind was the very low level of battery recycling that, that occurs in general. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. think five percent. Yeah, that's it. And and what can what can we do to to to, to help help raise that level and help get more batteries to be recycled? What's what can we do? Um, well, I, th I think that, um, that you know, the 5% uh, um, figure is, is, you know, it is widely reported as such, but I don't think it tells the, the, all of the story. Um, that, I mean, that might show you that you've got 5% of uh, the batteries being recycled, but, you know, that doesn't tell you that the rest of the 95% are still in operation. Yeah. Um, you know, and that 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 is the that I think that's the, the the key there. Are they a waste? I mean, it's only a problem when you see waste leaking through the system. So if we had a, you know five percent uh, being recovered, but ninety five percent is being lost somewhere, um, I, I, I would imagine that would cause a bit of an outcry. Mm. Um, but um, but no, I mean you know there's there's lots of batteries and stuff in you know from the smallest coin cells to you know, uh, torches and uh, e-cigarettes and all these kind of things are, you know, going along. And, and you know, from a, from a portable point of view, um, there is the greater uh, risk of, of seeing those leaks go, go through. So someone at home could put those batteries in the bin. And are they going to be detected? You know, we don't know. Um, in, in regard to EV and, and batteries, though, uh, uh, from, from cars, um, 
I, it, you know that 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 does present a different issue. We're dealing with things which are far larger. Um, there, there is always already a network and an infrastructure of how you deal with a waste car anyway. Um, and uh, and I think the main you know uh, uh, question um, from from that could, uh, point of view is is when we will start seeing these these cars and batteries uh, come to the end of their life for uh, uh, recovery and recycling. Um, and you know I, I, we've touched on it before, Andy. But you've got your your own sort of Vauxhall Ampera, and it's you know 2012. Not so it's not anymore. No, so not, no. no, really. Oh, right. You changed it, have you? I changed it a month ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, right. Oh, sorry. I haven't seen that. What have you got now? Um, Ionic. Uh, oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Ionic. Hyundai. Yeah. 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 Ionic plug-in. So. Ah, right. Excellent. And uh, well, I mean, obviously, going back onto your Ampere, I bet you've sold it though. It's not. Yeah. It's not gone and uh, gone to the scrap heap just yet. And that's that's a car that's what eight years old. You've just played around with some replacement brakes. Yeah, hundred hundred forty three thousand miles on it in total when I I when I sold it. Yeah. Um. You know, and 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 the reason the reason it went was because it was a, it was heavy mileage. And it was starting. Okay. It was starting to cost me money on other things. So, you know, wheel bearings were going. Um, you know, you know, the electrics were still perfect. The electrics are still in really, really good condition. But uh, it, okay. it was the bits was around it, the bits hanging, hanging around it that were causing the problem. Yeah. What was your state of charge in the end then? Um, it was still running at ninety-four percent. Which is amazing, isn't yeah. it? I mean, there's an eight-year-old car yeah. um, done all that mileage, which is normal mileage. You know, you'd expect for a, you know, a business user or whatever. You know, there, there's, the, the, you know, there's, the, there's, there's enough mileage there to sort of consider that other things would have broken down, you know, before it. Yeah. Um, and it's still going to be a viable second-hand car for Absolutely. someone to use. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. All right. Yeah. So. Uh, but you, so yeah. I take you're travelling further with the uh, Ionic then. Or you get much better range from that. No, it's, it's it's broadly similar. There's not a lot of difference in range um, between yeah. the two. Um, but uh, but it's you know it's it's it yeah because like like you you know we we use our cars a lot as a as a tool for um, for work. So you know yeah. it was it was just a just a point where you know I've got 143,000 miles on it. I need I need to change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be. You know what? That could be. You know, a, a, a consumer change for the future. Um, because if you if you reach sort of eight years of ownership, and you know, if you're dealing with total electric, you know, I mean, obviously, Ampera has got a, a hybrid motor in there, yeah. so there is a combustion engine in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, you are still going to deal with things like you know, cam belts, changes, yeah. uh, uh, chains, um, uh, water pumps, and other sort of pieces that are, that are familiar with that. But for a total electric, it's, there's there's less moving parts. Very much so. You know, I think I think you're going to get bored of the car before you actually end up, you know, sending it to the scrap heap. Oh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And and you know, you, your cost of running um, a fully electric vehicle is going to be so much cheaper as well because there's no oil to change, there's no there's no spark plugs to change, there's you know, and so yeah. on and so forth. You know, you're doing a a roadworthiness test and a check of the brakes and the tires and the suspension, and that's going to be as much as about as much as you need to do on that, or maybe yeah. maybe a cabin pollen filter, you know, and and and, and not much more. So uh, so yeah, the servicing and everything, the general maintenance is going to be much 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 lower. And, uh, yeah, and and, and that that in by that that you know that answers well asks the questions I suppose that we we're, we're considering because you know. Um, 
you know, whilst uh, uh, um, the, you know the cars are working and successful, they're not going to be a waste just yet. So when when are these cars going to start being a problem? Yeah. Um, and you know, we we, we looked at uh, looked at this and you know um, had some figures from Car Take Back uh, in regards to when they, they you know they thought you know car, cars were going to arrive as end of life, um, and it, it, in the next five to ten years yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, but. Um, but no, it, it, it's certainly going to come. But, you know, in, in regards to the amount of uh, batteries uh, being sort of recycled, which is, you know, getting back onto point, um, you know, the, the, the EV and the plug-in electric hybrid vehicles with the infrastructure of the uh, um, automotive industry, the fact that, you, you know, they have to build in recyclability into the batteries from a, from a battery regulation point of view anyway, um, then um, you know we'll 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 certainly see that uh, that that figure rise in the in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We'll get back to my conversation with Alan in a moment. Salvage Insight is a new program from SalvageWire. We are creating a range of intensive management boot camp options for business owners and managers who want to measure current value create compelling customer experiences, market, promote and sell more effectively, improve profitability, manage smarter at every level of the business, determine the most effective fleet of foot management structure and create a strategic vision and refresh their mission statement. We will be launching Salvage Insight with a one day boot camp on Wednesday the 17th of June. For more details and information, please contact SalvageWire through our website, www.salvagewire.com. Back to our conversation with Alan. Is there one thing the automotive industry could do to make your job easier? And, and if there is, what would that be? Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an inter interesting question that one I've asked before. Um, the, 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 the trouble is when it comes to um, manufacturers right now is, is that they are manufacturing um, the very best batteries they can. Mm. Um, best performing, uh, energy density, um, long lasting, um, you know, uh, cooling systems, you know, everything is, is currently being developed, you know, and, and continuing to improve. So, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle of what is the best of battery and we're happy with that and now we're finished with it is, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not been reached. Um, so that's what they're, they're focusing on uh, in the main. Um, um, that said, from what we've seen, um, there are uh, some good manufacturers um, and, you know, the, the batteries will dismantle really easily um, and, then, and they provide clear instructions to do that. Um, and then there are other batteries which are, um, both fastened and 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 bonded, um, and when they're bonded together, that does mean that you know as we take them apart, we just you know we destroy the parts um, and covers in in doing so. Um, you know, part of uh, of energy density, as we see, you know, some of the batteries really tightly compacted, um, you know, with little bus bars and weldings and things, you know, going all over the place. Um, it makes it makes removal and dismantling to a modular level quite difficult. Um, so. Um, I would say, uh, for me, you know, if, if, what would I ask them to do? Um, I, I, I would certainly ask them if uh, if they could just, in some case, you know, agree on a, a standard. Yeah. Um, you know, one one of the 
what are the sort of the, the, the futures that or possible futures for uh, for lithium battery uh, decommissioning is is through robotics you know reverse logistics taking it apart um uh, um in in mass in a, in a sort of a production line um and um having just uh, manufacturers follow the same uh, fastener type <laughs> that would help you know yeah. no, no, you know uh, m8 uh, torx um screw that's what they're all going to use that would be that be great um the, the the future for um for the lithium battery side of things is quite interesting because um i mean right now um painting a picture um you know we don't have thousands of batteries around you know uh, requiring this as we just touched on you know the cars are on the road still um you know we're dealing with some very uh, destroyed and uh, you know uh, uh, and tough batteries to practice on essentially but you know we're, we're only getting it through uh, um in in small batches um and uh, when when it when it comes to the future, when we do have those thousands of batteries, um, then the current practices aren't really going to cope. So, I mean, I've got my trained uh, um, individual, and you'll know all about that yeah. training. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got a couple of guys that are you know salvage wire trained and um, able to sort of you know they're converted electricians essentially, and we're able dismantle the uh, the batteries and we've got insulated tooling to go and do that or the ppe that surrounds it to make it all nice and safe um and it's a nuts and bolts operation you know so we're able to do uh plug-in electric hybrid small battery um in around about an hour um and we can do uh, um, a big large bev battery like a i pace tesla or something like that we you know we can do that in a couple of hours um but um, that's with the knowledge that you know we've we've got the ones and twos coming in. When we've got a thousand or hundreds yeah. in in a warehouse waiting to be done, I mean the scale up isn't going to be with multiple people. It's going to have to be with some form of process line and me and mechanics to be able to to, to help us through with that. Um, I mean, so something it reminds me of is that uh, uh, um, back when we regulations changed in two thousand and seven. Um, there was uh, uh, some waste types which uh, um, changed status um, and there was uh, um, uh, the likes of CRT monitors, the big screens that we used to have, uh, 60 kilos of a 28 inch monitor in the back in the, in the corner. <laughs> they used to be, I had a Sony Trinitron, they, you know, 28 inch flat screen. It, used, I was, it, was the, it was the pride of my, pride of my living room, but uh, it took two of us to move. Um, but, um, but yeah, those, those CRT monitors, you know, they, they change stages. They are hazardous waste. They've got a, uh, in the trumpet of the glass is, uh, is, a, is, a, is lead, a lead oxide. Yeah. So um, essentially that's, uh, that makes them ecotoxic. So therefore they're, they're a hazardous waste. And I remember back then I went to one of the first uh, wee processing stations um, and, and I saw this uh, uh, machine. It looked like a, uh, a, a, a sort of a, a table with, uh, with perspex uh, screens all the way around. Um, and the, the idea was that, that, that uh, um, the CRT um, um, was, was essentially dismantled to uh, its, uh, its glass trumpet. So all of the plastics around, um, all of the copper gauze and, and the, the circuitry and everything was all dismantled. And there were stations where this happened. So it went from being a full crt monitor to being dismantled from you know from the case then the circuitry was removed then the gauze wire removed. Now, now you've got this 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 uh, uh, glass trumpet and it what used to go on it, it then went onto this table which was then sort of surrounded by the perspex and and it was surround it had a, a mechanism in place where 
there was a uh, uh, um, uh, essentially a hot wire, a, a wire that would go round the uh, um, uh, the perimeter of the of the CRT um, uh, glass, um, and it would heat it up into the perimeter. And I remember seeing it. This guy places this uh, um, um, glass onto the table, um, and then a couple of seconds, this robotic arm brings this uh, wire um, to the glass. It then heats it up, um, and then it didn't sit properly. So we then had to open the glass panels again, and all the prospects panels, and then move the glass trumpet. Um, and then reset it and then let it go and do its thing again. And the idea was that if you heated the perimeter of the glass, you could then tap it with a hammer and then you could actually separate it. And I thought that was brilliant. And then I looked behind him and saw that there was the best part of about seven or eight pallets full of, uh, of CRTs and the amount of time it would have necessarily taken to process all of that. Um, and, and, I, and I do liken that scenario to where we are with, with lithium and lithium batteries because if we've got so many, you know, if it takes so much time, manpower and all the rest of it to uh, uh, to dismantle them. But, you know, we, we, we won't keep up. <laughs> you know, we, we need somewhere to uh, to develop, you know, the, the next stages. And it's it's something that suits right now. But, you know, when we have so much, um, that's, that's not going to uh, to be there. And I, and I think that the, there is uh, uh, quite a lot of development happening with laser eyes and robots. And that's that's one future um, as such. Yeah. Um, the other future, I think, is going to be mechanically dismantling, you know, some form of uh, uh, of shredding or or being able to safely uh, um, break down the batteries to constituent parts, um, which would lead, you know, th things far easier um, into the future as we're dealing with quantities. Wow, that's, that's amazing for and for the listeners listening to this, you know, just just go back and, and you know pause and rewind and re-listen to that because that's the future, isn't it? That's the future that we're looking at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they're coming. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no getting around it. Um, and you know, whilst there has been reports of, you know, um, the waste industry may not be, or I say that just the waste handling industry of, of lithium batteries is not ready. But at the moment, actually, there's there's quite a lot of work being done. Yeah. Um, because you know, we, 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 at, at first, when a brand new waste type comes on the scene, um, the first thing you do is you you concentrate on capability. Yeah. You work out that can you do this, um, and we've already reached that stage. We can do it. We've got yeah. you know waste management uh, practices. We can collect things safely, even when they are you know uh, uh, in a dangerous state. Um, we've got you know treatment processes we can use and we can recycle. We're even now legitimately you know offering a second life reuse as well for for for, for uh, batteries which uh, don't have to be considered waste. Um, so we've got all of that at the moment. But um, um, when it comes to um, batteries uh, being so abundant that you know we it, that you know it's going to be all about processing speed. If you you know think think of a lead acid battery. I mean, if we still were using, you know, chisels and things to break into a lead acid battery, I mean, you know, the, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't uh, uh, compute. Um, you know, we have we have machinery, we have shredders, we have, you know, processes to be able to se separate that lead and the plastic and the electrolyte. And essentially, that is exactly what we need to do for, for lithium batteries. The key there, though, is that when you're messing around with 12 volts, life's easy <laughs> when you're dealing with something with with far, far higher voltage yeah. and far more chemical energy for about four or five times the density yeah. um uh, you know think things are a lot more difficult um and you know you shred a, a charged battery a lithium battery you will get a fire yeah. um 
And if you discharge that battery, um, then actually it controls it. Yeah. And you are able to then, you know, more safely shred. And that, that's going to be the key of the future is going to be uh, being able to uh, um, discharge and recover electricity from battery packs yeah. um, prior to mechanical handling. Yeah. Um, and then that, that, that obviously has knock on effects of being so much easier than moving onwards. So we're no, not, you know, from my ABE and moving batteries ab uh, abroad, we won't be dealing with that. We'll be dealing with um, uh, the, the, the powder from the cathode, um, uh, which, you know, with your lithiums and your uh, uh, nickels and cobalts and, uh, and things, you know, all of that will be in a powder form, which is far more safe to, um, to, to move around and, and easier. Uh, to um, to to segregate, and 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 by discharging that um, electricity from the battery, you can then power your plant. Well, there you go. Um, something we're looking on at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, got your, you've got your Kona Ionic. I've got my eye on a Model Three Tesla, um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it, you know what? It wouldn't be. We, we've we've got actually as a company, we've we, we've embraced. Uh, um, um, plug-in electric um, and cars and uh, there's quite a few of our company cars on the fleet which are uh, are powered that way um, we've recently put in uh, charging stations right at this, uh, the front of our head office um, but uh, but in our uh, lithium battery um, decommissioning room we are exploring the idea of being able to charge off waste batteries um, how great would it be to recover that energy you know uh, um, and, and and you know have it stored in some way where you could then sort of you know charge a car ongoing um you know that's that, that's uh, you know that, that that would be the ultimate i think and it's something we're we're looking into right now yeah oh, that's amazing that's amazing right we, we are running out of time um you know because we've been going, going some time so is there one thing that the uk government could do differently that would have a really really big benefit for for, for you and for callings um I would say that the um, there's actually more than one thing I would like the UK government to do, but um, the, the one that sort of springs to mind, um, which is it, it, it is on the fundamental side, is 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 the um, the categorisation of lithium batteries. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that we in this country and actually Belgium, you know, we consider it as non-hazardous, um, yet we're dealing with European uh, countries um, where they are deeming it as hazardous waste yeah. um, and that brings you know uh, uh, cross-border um, confusion mm -hmm. and complication um, you know where you know we're saying it's non has uh, and this is a waste that, uh, you know, I, I hasten to add not the fact that it's a dangerous good um, this is what you know how how we would uh, um, classify so if you go on to the, the UK government's um, uh, um, website and look under batteries and EWC codes you'll see that lithium batteries are a non-hazardous waste um, so, um, so yeah, I, I would say that we need to align on that. We need to agree yeah. um, on um, lithium battery classification, and and it does actually lead on essentially to um, having you know more clarity in dealing with uh, um, lithium battery waste and assessing when we would consider a lithium battery to be uh, um, something which is dangerous mm -hmm. um, to something actually is is fairly mundane and easy to deal with. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, if you've got a, a battery that's been involved in a fire or a crash, um, that you know that that feels like it's dangerous. But if you've got uh, your, you know, your your 2012 Vauxhall Ampera battery yeah. that when it's finally reached its uh, scrapyard and it's you know got 70% charge levels on, it's then retired. 
Yeah. Um, it's a retired battery, and and actually, you know, uh, that's not going to be too much of a uh, of a dangerous thing to uh, to work on and 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 deal with. Yeah. Um, but currently, we you know we 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 have to treat everything with um, you know, with uh, uh, um, uh, respect and um, capability. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And if 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 anybody wants to to know any more to to find out more about what you do and what Corleys do, how how do they contact you? How do they find out more? Yeah, now we've got uh, obviously the the the, uh, the company's got its own website. So that's www.corleys.co.uk. Yeah. Um, and um, there's actually quite a lot of uh, written blogs and information on there regarding yeah. lithium batteries, as well as all of the rest of the services the company provides. Um, so uh, yeah, we, we, we're quite buoyant on putting as much information as possible on there. Um, personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, there are other Allen colleges yeah. in the world. Yeah. I think there's a there's a there's a, a, a doctor in Michigan, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, and I think there's a, there's an artist down south as well somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but no, Allen College and Corleys and Lithium. If you put that into a, a search engine or, or or LinkedIn, then you you would certainly probably come across me. Brilliant, brilliant. And one final question: We're asking this of everyone on the podcast. What was your first car? And do you have any special memories of that car? Uh, um, yeah, no, my first car that I drove uh, was a Ford Fiesta. Um, it was a 1.1L uh, X-Reg, um, and that was in gold. So what's, what's X-Reg, 1982? About that, yeah. I suppose, yeah, 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 yeah. no. I, I mean, obviously, I wasn't I was driving age in 1982, I used to add, but that was my first banger car. Um, no, great little car. In fact, they are, they are worth so much money now, just those old Fords, even a mundane one like that, yeah. you know, in pristine conditions, worth so much money. Yeah. Um, but no, um, special memories. Um, being uh, uh, in my first uh, uh, job, so this is prior to being in the waste industry as such. Uh, I used to drive it around on the red. I think I think we used to do that back then. We used to drive it around on the petrol red. So actually, before before range anxiety became a thing, I had range anxiety. <laughs> we, we drove around on the red. And I, and I also remember putting in 50p worth of fuel in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that as well. Brilliant. That's because I spent the majority of my wages on drinking. Um, um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, amazing. fond memories of the little car. Amazing. That's amazing. Thank you very much for that. Alan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time right. to talk to us uh, today. And, uh, and we're all better for it. But, so thank you very, very much for that. No worries. Pleasure being here, Andy. Thank you. Alan, that was amazing. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your time and also for your knowledge. You'll find full details of how to contact Alan and Corleys in the show notes. And please don't forget to take the time to like and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And give us a rating. Depollution podcasts are released every Tuesday. Look on our social media sites to find details of our next podcast.